Will Hennigan is joining us today to share a little bit of his life and professional experiences. Will is a big wig with some oil and gas folks. I don't even know what it is he does, so I'm going to let him describe it. He's got an education. I don't understand any of that either because it's not in law, so it's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. So, so Will, would you just introduce yourself so I don't sound completely ridiculous? Happy to, DJ. Thanks. Uh, good to be here virtually with you. Uh, my name is Will Hennigan. I am currently a, a uh, I guess we'd call it a, a, a control system specialist or a SCADA specialist at Chevron Pipeline. Uh, I work for, been working for Chevron in Houston here for 13 years, and, and I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, SCADA uh, is, is an acronym, and we have a million of those, which stands for Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, um, which is just a fancy way of saying, uh, but it, it's a big, it's a, oh man, it's a, it's a long, big, big, complex technology. But to simplify it, it it's kind of how, what we do is we make sure that when a pipeline controller in Houston presses a button to close a valve in California, we make sure that that network is secure and reliable and that the right valve closes and, and that there are no leaks or, or uh, any other issues with, uh, with the pipeline system. Um, so we've been, uh, been, in, been on our pipeline division for about six years and uh, um, and we've also been amping up a lot of, uh, uh, on top of that, all of the, oh gosh, I could talk forever on all the technologies we're incorporating in the business, but a lot of what's really cool now is leak detection and thermal imaging cameras uh, that we have 200 of them across our pipeline network of a couple thousand miles. So that's, that's what I do a lot of now. <laughs> that's, I mean, so I appreciate particularly the use of or the explanation of your acronym because we we know in in my industry at least and I explain to my students that if you don't explain what an acronym it, acronym is we can get confused so you're an LSU graduate and so you know what real football is and yeah. anytime somebody tells me I got a letter from the SEC I want to give them a high five yeah. and then they're like oh no the Securities and Exchange Commission oh oh sorry Sorry, um, you know, and then of course, to your point about pushing a button, then we're like, hey, do we know who the investigator is? Do we need to push a button? Oh wait, no, that's criminal. I teach ethics, Never mind. Different type of pushing button. But yes. you're an LSU graduate and you, you, I mean, did you study petroleum engineering at LSU to do this? Not, not at all. I actually started, um, I got a full engineering, I was planning on going straight to LSU out of high school uh, and I got a, I applied for and tested for and earned a, a full engineering scholarship to Tulane. Uh, and I was like, well, Darren, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, you know, my parents would kill me if I pass this up. And my older brother was on the Tulane baseball team at the time. And so I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll join him there. And I spent two years there and actually joined a Loyola fraternity while I was there. Cause I didn't like any of the Tulane ones. Um, and I was, uh, so I was computer science there and computer science at the time was in Tulane's engineering school. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a computer guy. It's the short, I'm, uh, one of, one of our, one of our Chevron executives, I asked them, uh, uh as a side note, I said, how do you know we, at Chevron, we have major in IT, in, in the IT space, we have like a managerial track and a deep technical tack, track. And I asked, I asked one of our uh, executives how do you know if you're one or the other and she, and she said well you know you're you know you're technical because you definitely know if you're not and i was like okay well I'm, anyway so i knew knew him knew was a computer person um and then after but after two years my, my brother graduated and i just i just was not happy there um and i i transferred to i did actually a summer and a fall at university of new orleans which was probably a probably the toughest university i i attended <laughs> Wow. And, uh, it was a great program. And then I, and then I finally migrated over to, to LSU, um, that, that following spring. Um, and it was, man, I, I, I probably would not have appreciated LSU so much had I not had the path that took me there, uh, for so long. So, um, that's what I would, uh, the, the computer science department at LSU was actually in school of basic sciences. Um, so I got a, a basic science degree there. Um, and, 
Uh, it was actually, it actually, the timing couldn't have been better because the, the semester after I got to LSU, Katrina happened and devastated New Orleans, especially the Tulane campus. Tulane then decided to close their engineering school. So I would have been really screwed uh, had I, had I stayed there. So that, I mean, a, a horrible, horrible thing, but at, at, at least I, I got something, I, I timed something right. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, graduated with my uh, computer science degree there uh, and uh, didn't like the job market, didn't like, I knew the one thing I did learn from programming, I like programming, but I knew that I did not want to do it for the rest of my life, didn't want to sit in a basement and code. Right. I had people <laughs> skills, darn it. Um, I was... I mean, there were, and there were two kinds of computer science students. There, there was the kind that, that uh, they, they brought their laptop to class and they were, they were always, they were, they were programming something all the time. And they would, after, after class, they would go home and work on some other, some other pet project or whatever it is. And I was the only guy in the, in the class. I was sitting in the front of the class and I had a note, I just used a pen and paper notebook still, um, even though I had a laptop because I, I'd be too distracted and, uh, and everything. So I was one of those, I was one of those students. So I, I, I uh, yeah, I was, I liked programming. I liked the problem solving aspect of it. Um, um, but, but didn't want to, did not want to do it forever. So I know I have more to offer here and I want to learn more. So I actually, I, on a whim, like literally within a month, I was like, I want to do the LSU MBA program. It's, it's affordable. It's right here. Let me go take the GMAT. So I took the GMAT, and a week later, got a got a good enough score to get accepted. And I literally graduated. I was one of six people who graduated in our end of summer session in August. And like literally a week later, I started the MBA program there. And uh, and that was that was it, was it was very great use of my time. I know the market. This was you know 12, 13 years ago, fourteen years ago. Geez, 15, gosh, fifteen years ago. Sorry. Can't do math. Don't have my glasses. I, I just I just lie to myself and pretend that it was yeah. yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, the market is saturated with MBAs right now, but at the and and I and a lot of people, you know, I see a lot of friends going to get them just just to get them because everybody has them. Um, but it was a really valuable experience for me because I had never until I got to grad school, I had never had a finance, an economics, or an accounting class, um, or a, a bit law. We had a uh, God, business law class, I, I loved, um, I had kind of negotiations and ethics, um, great, great class. It was a great program and I, I loved it. Um, and so through that really kind of developed my, my, my business skill set on top of my technical skill set. And that's when I got a, my first internship with Chevron. And, and I guess I did well enough there that they gave me a full-time offer, uh, at the end of that summer. And I'm, moved out moved out to houston uh, immediately after graduation i've been here ever since yeah i mean and you hit on a ton of things that i think are of, of value and i always encourage my students to unpack there may be one sentence but there may be quite a bit of information and value within even one sentence and so you you hit on the fortuitousness of your move um, there's an old german saying man plans god laughs um so yes. I've, I've definitely seen that in my life um and and you talked about people skills sort of as also as sort of in alignment with finding your passion and finding out what you want to do. So it sounds like you're the opposite of my nephew. My nephew, Alex, um, is, has always has his laptop, right? Um, I, I question places where he has taken this thing so that he can work on code and programming. And he tells me this, and even less so than SCADA, do I understand what it is that he's doing and what it is on the screen. It could be Klingon for all I know, because it just doesn't make sense to me. It's weird. Um, and so understanding that you had those soft skills, you had that qualitative value you could add and knowing yourself. I also encourage my students many times to just examine themselves, take that period of introspection, whether you're looking at your, your Zodiac sign, whether you're looking at the MBTI, the Enneagram, our, our fraternity brother, Arthur Calton is, is obsessed with these personality tests. He will tell you what you are on day one. Uh, I don't know if he's done that to you, but uh, he's not he's yet, but we, He's, he's in the choir at our church and we see him all the time. I'll have to ask him. Right. Oh, but be prepared. Set, set aside, block off some time. Use those uh, managerial skills you've got to, to set some time because he's going to, to analyze you and provide you quite a bit of information. Don't even, I don't even remember any of my results from True Colors or any of these personality types because he remembers for me. 
Uh, I've done. Now that you mention it, I'm in. I know I've I've done a Myers Briggs on a solid ESTJ, and we did the Chevron really pushes the true colors thing. And I was there's a lot of like red, green, red, blues, and whatever in our group. And I the first time I took it, I was 25% of each color, and I was like, well, geez, that doesn't help. Right. <laughs> so I'm I'm everyone you need to be, but that maybe makes you the perfect team member because you can just fit in. Uh, with anybody, right? And this vaccine, yeah. you think about antibodies grabbing onto things or whatever, that's, that's a positive. I, mm -hmm. I've, and, I, and I've, I've seen where some of these things, while they're, none of these are 100% accurate or, or none of them can fully encapsulate, I've definitely seen on teams where I worked with a German colleague and we, uh, her family's Prussian, sort of like my father's family training. That's not our, our roots, but um, that's sort of how he was enculturated. And um, we were both green golds to, to almost the exact percent but um, she had zero orange or adventurousness and I had zero blue feelings, apparently. Um, maybe this is why you have a lovely family and I don't, right, people? How do you feel about this? Well, I really think <laughs> the data exactly. is showing this. Um, mm -hmm. So, so there, there are those things, but that's, I think that's fascinating, but you're, you're jumping ahead a little bit from where I, where I wanted to go with the questions because you alluded to these moves and one of the challenges, particularly with, with our demographic here at the University of Houston downtown, is we have a lot of first-generation college students. We have people whose family, whether it be due to immigration status, they, they don't travel because of the legal challenges or, or dangers of leaving the country and trying to come back in. We have students who um, just simply don't have the finances to travel and see new things. And then they have ideas about the career, right? It, you don't have to be a world traveler to watch television and see this cool job at a law firm or a cool job as a SCADA manager. And you say, this is glamorous. This is what I want to do. But how do I, how do I go somewhere else? So, so you, you were born in the Metairie area. Then you went to school in New Orleans. But then you migrated to Baton Rouge. And now you've been in Houston. What, what perspective, what ideas, and of course, any advice that you might have for somebody who's just I, I want to go work in the capital in DC. I want to go work in Austin, but my family has been in East Houston our entire lives. Go. Yeah, you, man, I would, I need to, I, I'm not going to volunteer my wife, but my wife, Robin, you, you almost need to interview her as well. So she's, she's an, an attorney, um, or I, she would say a, a reformed attorney. She no longer practices, but she works at South Texas downtown as a, as kind of in the career services department. Awesome. Um, but she actually went to, she was the same thing. She grew up in Dallas um, and uh, and wanted to get out of Texas. So she went to American in D.C. and then was like, uh, I don't like D.C. <laughs> she was there during the, the D.C. sniper thing. I was like, no, this is too much. And then came back and did law at SMU. <laughs> but, uh, so she left and came back. But um, I I would say uh, um, the, the it, it was uh, – I, I, I actually lived, and I don't remember much of it. I lived in Houston from when I was like two weeks old till I was four, and then we moved back to Louisiana, and that's kind of where I grew up. I, you know, I'm, I'm, when I, when I was first looking, um, and I'll tell you what was really, sorry, I bounce around here. My, my, uh, my brain moves faster than my mouth does, or vice versa right. sometimes. <laughs> that's better uh, than me. I, my mouth is always moving, and there's just not a lot of substance. Yeah, man. When I, uh, I, I wasn't really. I wanted to be near family, and I know that's a huge thing in in the in in Louisiana and Texas and the South in general. Um, my that's where that's what I know, and I I I don't need to see them every day, but I'd like to be able to you know drive over and see them once a month. Uh, and and I, I not I visited a lot of places. I've visited places through with family and uh, through vacations or whatever, and I've seen saw California, New York, and and Chicago, and those cities were. The cold is not for me. I'd rather it be 100 degrees than zero any day. Um, but uh, when when the when I started, uh, I got my when I when I first uh, started looking for jobs and internships, I wasn't really the best thing I could tell people. And you and you probably already told everybody this is the the broader your the the broader the the broader you're looking, the better your the better your your chances of finding something great. Um, when I have when I when I have friends say, "Man, I can't find a job," I looked at, I looked all over this town. I'm like, "This town is, you know, ten miles across. This country is six thousand miles across. You know, have you looked anywhere else? Well, I don't want to go anywhere else. Well, I'm, 
I, I don't have as much sympathy for you. Now it's kind of different with law because you have to get barred and <laughs> into those states. Right. But uh, but as I as I learned from my wife, there's now that that universal bar test, whatever there is. Or, there are some some states are recognizing that or reciprocity or what have you. Um, but uh, even just and Texas is huge. You know, it could take you eight hours to drive across Texas, and there's a lot of great jobs out there. And 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 this whole state is great and it's pretty. Um, when I it grew on me and, and what happened was I, I was uh, I was engaged and, and, and newly wed at the time and my wife uh, my first wife I'll say was was a, one of those very you know loves Louisiana have to be have to be near family family first mm-hmm. and I was like I, I understand that so look I was like look this is this is the job I got it's in Houston but we have an office in Covington and, and New Orleans that that I could you know post to a transfer to in in a year or two once I do this and she was like well okay um, and but after uh, two two years in Houston I was I I really loved Texas um, and uh, and and then the, the the economy tanked this is kind of around 2009 10 uh, and and there weren't really I was, I was, it was one of those times where I was like, I was grateful to be, have to have a job at all, uh, kind of like now. Um, and uh, I was like, now's not the time for me to just quit and, and just look for something in, in Louisiana, just because you want to go back there. And like, Texas is not, I mean, is it really that bad? We, we are a five hour drive from, from family and I get, we're on a we do a 980 a lot of people at chevron do the night what's called the 980 work schedule where you work your 80 hours over nine days instead of 10 so you have every other friday off and uh uh so we would on those long weekends we could drive in and spend three full days in, in louisiana with family and go back and and that was it but that really i mean amongst the other a bunch of other problems but that really pulled us apart and so we ended up we ended up getting divorced and uh, apparently I bought her a house around the block from her parents. Okay. I seem to recall those experiences of there's a lot of money going out of here and I don't see anything. I wonder who's enjoying yeah. this new car that I've purchased. No, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't, you know, but uh, it wasn't, it was, that was, that's, that, that was, that's the short version, you know, right. but fortunately, uh, 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 you know, She's much happier there, uh, and uh, and it was it was as far as as gosh as I wouldn't I would as, as far as divorces go ours was very very re- relatively civil and, and painless and I wouldn't even still I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemies um, and as it and I and I'm, and it really made me a true believer in all things happen for a reason because one of the things I did get out of the relationship uh, was the dog right um, <laughs> and um, and lo and behold. Uh, uh, six six or eight months later, uh, I had the dog at the dog park who started playing with another dog, and I started talking to her owner, who I've now been together with for nine years, and we've we're coming up on six years of marriage <laughs> with a with a with a twenty month old. So um, everything everything I wouldn't change anything at all, and we've been yeah. So I, I love I love 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 I love being here, and and we have. The great thing is with 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 my wife now is we have a the, our outlook on 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 life is and what I was what I thought I had the first time is home is home is where um, we can make home anywhere as long as we're as long as we're together we're a team we can you know if work trans if if an, if a if a career opportunity takes one of us somewhere and it's and it's worth doing you know off we go. Um, uh, but we've, it's, it's the longer we, and it's kind of, we're almost at a point, man, we, hopefully that doesn't happen because now we've been in Houston so long and we're near family and we have roots here and we love our house that we just renovated. But, um, you know, those, those adventure, adventure waits. Yeah. My, and to similar to your old, uh, quote you mentioned earlier, my, my, my grandparents, uh, go, you know, they're, I'm, I'm quarter German, uh, and one of my, my great grandfather used to always say, and my grandmother knitted it on a embroidery pillow. Um, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Right. <laughs> so, and I, and I, and I, I kind of take a spin on that when I have, when, when younger, younger uh, students that I advise 
Uh, I'm also a fraternity advisor for our chapter at Houston Baptist University here. Um, and, and as I'm, as they're, they're telling me, they, you know, I, 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 I talk to guys who have their life planned out where, where they're going to go and what they're going to do next. Exactly. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm glad you have, it is great to have goals and, and things to work towards, but, it, but this is, I mean, I say life happens, let it, <laughs> right. Know? Don't, don't be, don't have this tunnel vision of what you want to do that you miss some awesome opportunity off to the side here um, and everything. So, so long, that's, that's a very, I don't know, 10 minute answer to, to. to I, think, I think it's phenomenal. And I think it, it, again, a lot of these, the purpose of these discussions is to tap into different people's experiences where we do have Carl Dweck's mindset book. We do have people who are fixed mindset and they think one yeah, failure yeah. makes them a failure for life. And as two divorced people, we can say, I'm, I'm still enjoying life, right? I have, yes. I have a quote yeah. failure on my record, but you've turned yours into a win. I've just turned mine into a pewter mug at St. Arnold's. So either way, um, but, but we can chalk it up to win, wins. And I, I'm gonna go back to this, but you, you mentioned the idea of, of building a family anywhere. So we're, we're, we're gonna talk about community involvement and building networks to not only acclimate, but also secure your career. One of the volunteer organizations we share outside of the fraternity. And, and so, you know, we'll, we'll cite our country music, uh, Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani, I can be happy, uh, or, you know, and home is wherever you are, but I can be happy anywhere with you. And so mm -hmm. I, I think it's important sometimes for our students who glamorize things, exactly to your point, they, they have this plan, they're going to DC, and they're going to be an attorney, you know, maybe SMU is good. I've, I've had other ideas sometimes where I think, you know, I should, I should live in this city. I should live in Austin or DC and, and impact policy that way. And I enjoy my little small town West Columbia life. It actually uh, grew on me very quickly. And looking at these things to your point about planning, sometimes people can overlook all the great things. One of the great things is as maybe some of my students who have had negative experiences in Houston and associate the city or their environment with that negative experience, they say, I'm gonna to move to this other place. We have an international airport where you can be nonstop Tokyo, nonstop Paris, nonstop Frankfurt, nonstop non Buenos Aires. You can be anywhere, uh, pretty yeah. much nonstop out of Houston for cheap. Um, mm -hmm. And, and our, we, our state doesn't have an income tax, our property values, even while we complain, particularly people have been in Houston a while, we say, do these people understand that we don't, we have de facto, but not de jure zoning. And so you, yeah. somebody could build a tire shop next to me. So just buy a house that's 300,000 less two blocks over. Mm -hmm. they, apparently they didn't get the memo. Uh, I see a lot of these, these out-of-state tags. So they, they, don't, yeah. they don't know that's fine. But there, there's a lot of, of opportunity here. There's a lot of uh, opportunity for, for careers, family, relationships, cultural diversity. And, and, and to appreciate it as opposed to, to your point, just looking forward and saying, here's my path that I've decided. Uh, and and I, boy, I, I think that's a great segue though into like your rodeo involvement. Have, have, how has um, your value and, and your clear involvement of contributing, contributing volunteer service to others, service above self is what we say at Rotary, you live that. And so there's a pragmatic value though. So this community engagement, probably has helped you in some ways, in a quantifiable way. Do you, do you have any examples of ways or, or some ideas on how you can measurably tie your selflessness into some non-altruistic ROI? That is, it's, it is tough to quantify, you're right. Uh, but the, the fact that, that rodeo volunteers uh, and uh, we, we, we pay we pay a lot of money to volunteer because, <laughs> but, and, and we, and we, I burn vacation days to, to work rodeo shifts because of, because of what, what it does for the community, especially, especially the, the, the kids. That's my, um, I just love seeing it every year we, on our judging contest committee, we, we run uh, for our committee. We run usually when it's, when it's not, COVID time, we run a couple dozen uh, judging contests uh, or competitions for for collegiate uh, and and young young kids down as, as young as gosh ten I think 
um, for 4-H FFA, uh, horse, everything from horse judging, meat judging, um, poultry, livestock, there's a wildlife, there's, there's now a quiz bowl, there's now a, like a, a, an iron chef competition, which is just awesome. It just to watch these kids come in in hilarious team name costumes and, 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 and make something just, just like the show, um, come and taste it. That was my favorite. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, remember the a la mode. Uh, anyway, the, uh, we, when I, when I, I, these, all of these kids, and we have the largest, um, livestock competition, I think at the country, I think we have almost 2000 students come through. Um, and every one of them I meet are just, I see, I see these, these, these kids and, I, and some of them are kids a lot, like I said, some of them are college students. And I, it, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. <laughs> you know, most, most of the time I, I, you know, I see the youth of today on, on TV or protesting or whatever. And I'm like, you guys are not going to be funding my social security. This isn't going to happen. But then, but then I see these great upstanding, upstanding kids with, uh, with, with this, with this drive and they're just, they're always so smart and and well mannered and well rounded and and just they just want to they just want to compete and and have a good contest and win and sure they want they they want to bring home a trophy or a scholarship um, which is which is what we which is what we really uh, hope to do and that's that honestly that was the worst thing about last year was we couldn't the rodeo just couldn't award all the scholarships and there were a lot of kids that. That probably had been raising a cow for years and was looking forward to showing it and didn't get a chance to and and was maybe counting on that for college or something. It's really that was probably the worst part about it. Um, but to, to quantify, I, I here we are. I mean, nine. What am I? Maybe I've been doing this nine or ten years now, um, and I and I'm still doing it and I love it. And I was I was kind of almost looking at is is there another rodeo committee i could i could join i really want to i want to do more uh and and my wife was like you are burning the candle at three ends i didn't know that was possible you've got to we need to do we need to do some 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 time management internally so we can focus on stuff and so I, i'm like okay i'll keep it at one uh, right. but i like this one so i'm gonna stay put uh, but that's just the fact that we we pay we we donate our time and our, our treasure to volunteer and and some stand out in the cold in in negative degrees sometimes for for we have some guys that are in a meat locker for an eight hour contest just to and it's miserable but it's but it's it's for the kids it's for the future of this country I mean the the agricultural uh, education that that the rodeo encourages is. You know, the, the world needs food. America needs food. We have a hunger problem. Um, I mean, what, what, four, four or five million people died from hunger last year. We have a, we have a vaccine for that. Right. It's called food. <laughs> how do we, how have we not, yeah, how have we not solved this problem yet? It, it blows my mind. Um, but these are the, these are the people that are going to keep the, keep the world moving. And I love, love helping them any way I can. Right. And I mean, I think civic engagement is something that we talk about, particularly at the university, and people only envision this as marching to vote or carrying a sign to protest, not realizing that there's impactful things. And of course, I experienced this at the city government level where people want to talk to me about the presidential election. The president isn't fixing your potholes. I am. No, I need to know no. what's going on on 17th Street in Velasco. If you, if you want to stop yeah. sign there, that's me. What was it? The old, the old, there's an old quote: "The average Roman doesn't care about where the armies are marching; they care about the pebble in their sandal." Right. Something. Right. Something along right. Tip O'Neill: "All politics is art. All politics are local." And so, right. It's it's um, it's very true that that sometimes we we lose the the uh, trees for the forest, I guess, and, mm -hmm. and so we forget that hey, there there are these individuals that we can really create an impact with with a certain purposeful engagement. And, and so I think that's awesome you do that. I was I was wondering if, if there was some sort of networking value, but probably for your profession as different than an attorney or a marketing person yeah. or a small business owner, for, for you you and I working in our corporate environments, it's it's not as not as beneficial selfishly um, other than the the, the benefit of, of service. 
I, there's, I don't there, need there, any more contacts. The school just puts people in my classroom more than I there ask you go. for, right? <laughs> yeah. The cap of the classroom is set at 25, and then I start counting the students, and I'm not great at math, but 47 is more than 25. How did you get here? Okay, never mind. Uh, my boss thought thought differently, <laughs> but I think I think so. We're service. We talked about moving. Do you travel for work ever? Do you have sometimes? Um, and it, it depends on, it really depends on the job. And my job title at Chevron has changes roughly once every two or three years. Uh, at, at one point um, around 2011 or 2012, I was literally, I was in one, um, again, the, the economy tanked and, and Chevron travel budgets cut. And so we spent a, a Boku box, millions of dollars deploying high-end. I mean, this is before Zoom and, and everything, deploying high-end HD video conferencing equipment at our sites all over the world. So I could push a button and pull up a conference room in Kazakhstan. Um, and I was doing that, uh, was doing that all like locally from Houston. Uh, and then I got a new job supporting this, uh, this uh, upstream production allocation software. It's kind of how, how Chevron and a lot of companies actually track how much uh, oil and gas they have, they have in a reservoir and how much they've produced, uh, et cetera. Um, and literally a month later, I was on a, I was on an oil rig off the coast of Nigeria, teaching people how to use this software. Um, and uh, it was a, it was, it was quite a change. Um, and I knew it was going to be a good class. If, I mean, some of these guys had never used a computer before. And I'm like, hey, you know, if I got through how to set their password in 20 minutes, it was going to be a good day. Um, but it was, that was an awesome experience. So I spent a, a I. It, uh, it, the time I, the time and projects I worked on in Nigeria and also Angola, Africa, um, were were really awesome. The people I worked with there were brilliant, um, uh, and and so great great experiences there. I'd never been only person in my country or in my family to have been to, to Africa, mm -hmm. and that was so. There's there's actually one one Hennigan family Christmas photo where I'm actually my face is on an iPad from a Skype call because I was. Over Thanksgiving, I was in I was in Africa, <laughs> so I zoomed in or skyped in for a for the Christmas photo. Um, but uh, uh, it, it was oh man, I lost my. Well, I mean, do you, what do you, what do you think but, about the the value of it? I mean, do you think it, it was it was beneficial? Do you think I mean, yeah. were there any pitfalls? I mean, obviously, in that instance, yeah. you missed Christmas. Well, yeah, I, I, I would, but I would do it again. It was a, again a great experience, and I was. It was when I joined this team. Everybody, the way we supported the software was, everybody kind of every every business unit we had used. Every oil field was different, and so we kind of had to specialize in an area. So we had some people that specialized in Eastern U.S., Western U.S., South America, Europe. And of course, when I joined the team, nobody nobody wanted to go to Africa because it you know it's it's dangerous. It's it's third world or whatever. Um, and I was like, well, I'm 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 newly divorced, single. I'm expendable. Let's go. Right. Uh, let's go on adventure. <laughs> let's do this. Um, and it was the hazard pay wasn't worth it, but I mean it was it was there. Uh, but it was it was an adventure. Uh, and I was I would and I would after after doing that for a few months and and uh, and coming back, I would. I would definitely, I would definitely go back on a, we, would they do, I wouldn't move there. That would be, I couldn't convince the family to move there, even though there are some great, great areas and it would be a great experience to move there. Um, but we do, they do what most expats there do is are rotational assignments, like 28, 28. So you work 28 straight days there and you get 28 days off. Um, so that can kind of mess with, usually it's, usually it's great. But uh, so it, 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 if, the, if that schedule works for, for your life and your family, then it's, then it's something to do. Um, I, uh, I mean, it was, it was, we had, uh, you know, sandstorms. Um, we, I was, I was stuck on a rig for an extra day because some, some Boko Haram people put a bomb on a well jacket. And we had to wait for the military to come out and defuse it. We had pirates kind of trying to board some ships. And we had, for the last week I was there, we didn't have any fruit because they hit our food convoy. But uh, uh, other than that, you know, it was my, my parents didn't like hearing those stories, but uh, it was, I, I never really felt, you know, endangered in, in or anything. My first helicopter rides out there, I mean, it was, uh, it was you know, really fun. Uh, and, and so I, I, I on our company, it, it, kind of like I said to my, and at the beginning, you know, the more, the broader your, your, your horizons, you know, the more opportunities you have. And within our company, 
um, employment profile, we there's a mobility section. How how mobile are you? I mean, if if you if you put in there, I have you know family I have to take care of in Houston. I can only work here. They will they were they will totally honor that, and they will they that will you know they'll they'll keep you here. Um, or or uh, you know I, I you know I, my boss uh, was uh, at the time before I went on that Africa assignment. He's like, well, we got some great job. We got this great job for you in in California. And I was like, oh, Linda, like. I can't go out to California. He's like, why? I said, well, I'd have to sell most of my possessions. They're illegal there. Right. <laughs> so, and he's like, he's like, no problem. I'm the same way. We'll, we'll find something else for you. Um, but at this point now, I'm, it's, it says, uh, I, for a while, I just had it global mobile. I will, I will go where you need me. Um, and, and that's where those awesome opportunities, opportunities arise. And I think that's important, especially, you know, not everybody's the same way, so not to lump everybody together, but we, we right. do, and I experience this sometimes generationally, this idea that as soon as they, students graduate with a college degree, particularly first gen, I'm the first one in my college, I'm special at my house, and so I should be the CEO today, and the world mm -hmm. should adjust to me. Why didn't my boss send me an email telling me what I was doing wrong, as opposed to proactively saying, and, and this, this starts in college, right? Did you, did you reach yeah. out to your professor to ask for help? No, your professor is not going to generally reach out to you to offer you help, just like your boss, because you're the one that needs help. So uh, understand that in the mobility, and I, and I love the idea of expendability, right? So I'm actually recording in, in my office at the, at the university, and I've taken extra shifts because the other three department chairs have young children. Mm -hmm. and so part of that collaborative spirit, part of, I think, what has allowed me to rise relatively quickly within the government sector, right? There aren't a lot of openings in, in the administration and things like that, is the, to your, to your point about expanding your horizons, being open to the idea that yes, I'm special, yes, my life has value, but weighing it, it's not, everything doesn't have to be fair. Everything doesn't mm -hmm. have to be exactly equal all the time because circumstances are different. It depends, context is key. And if you've got like my three colleagues in the suite, young children, and it's COVID times, stay home. I will go mm -hmm. in there. If I get sick, nobody else is going to get sick because I'm old alone. And if something happens to me, I'm not going to leave anybody, you know, handling any business. Uh, my life insurance is, is very, very, very lucrative. So bearing <laughs> me will be easy, right? There will be a big party. Of course, Will, you're invited. Bring some rodeo wine with you. In, and, in. Uh, and it'll be good. But understand that. And you've also talked about the ability to coordinate business, even now with the pandemic, people have struggled to adapt. And so you and I have seen Katrina, we've seen Harvey, and yet there is still intransigence sometimes to accept that there are technological ways that we can connect people, improve processes, because regardless of how we feel about it, there uh, remains, uh, this is how we've always done it, or, or we've always done it that way mentality that needs to be overcome. I do wonder how you navigate that, particularly, I'm sure there are a number of people at Chevron who are a little bit older than you, or at least a little bit more senior to you in, in experience with the company that maybe aren't as adaptable. And the second part, so to, to overcomplicate the question and, and send you down uh, another, another path uh, for, for 10 minutes, is software technology tools. You mentioned that you use thermal imaging and some other tools and technology. You mentioned um, pre-Zoom sort of teleconferences or, or, or virtual remote coordination of meetings. What are some software and technology tools that you think particularly some of our graduating college students, uh, our seniors before they graduate, technology and tools that they should be learning and mm. building their proficiency in to excel in work, particularly in, in, in the oil and gas industry, not necessarily your job specifically, but in oil and gas, software and technology tools. The, the first part of that is again, Mm. Sort of how how do you manage upwards or manage individuals who are who are uh, sort of intransigent? And with that second part, and I'll go back to the second part. And my students love this, right? Jumping around. You not only software and technology, but you you mentioned that you were able to sort of develop yourself professionally with the accounting and finance and even business law courses that you took in the MBA program. So within that second part of my question with the software and technology. Are there any skills and, and uh, courses that you recommend students take? Go. Okay, let me start with the most recent. Um, I would. I, I, I'm always 
I'm always, it's always funny when I talk to old lawyers who are still, who still love and use word perfect. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and it's like, it's like a stereotype and it's a bad one, but it's, it's true. I see it all the time. Um, the technology is, is changing everything. Uh, fortunately, it, and I'm kind of to the first part of your question, managing upward, being in IT, most you, I'm surrounded by people, even if they're kind of edging towards retirement, they, they're familiar with technology and they can, we all kind of use the same tools and I learn a lot from them. Um, but I, it, it, there are opportunities to manage upward that um, submit some, some of the art, some people higher up just are there. They're not there when they're, when you're not, when your hands aren't into the technical stuff and you're, and you're understandably, you're, you're, you're too busy managing and planning and at a high level, you, you miss a lot of detail and we have to manage upward and say, hey, this this idea you have here, this here, we got some concerns about this. Um, we're, for example, they, we uh, Chevron has a huge agreement with the Microsoft and their Azure cloud, um, and and the cloud is is great for for ninety five percent of things, um, but uh, we, uh, but there's 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 a, there's still risk there. I mean, it's 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 secure as it could be. But um, the, the performance isn't there, and so we have uh, we have some leadership saying, "Hey, we need to get our SCADA, our pipeline control system, into the cloud." And we're like, "That that can't happen." And then they manage down to us. No, you need to have a growth mindset. And we're like, "We have a growth <laughs> mindset. Think outside the box." I am. If it's if it's possible, we'll do it. But the software requires these performance specs. The cloud offers these performance specs down here. They don't overlap. We cannot do it yet. A bird in the hand um, is worth two in the bush. Yes, exactly. We you? already have. We've I've had more cliches to help you complete the project. No kidding. We've had less. Uh, the, 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 the Microsoft Cloud has had more downtime in the last six months than our personal net, on-prem network has had in 30 years. Um, and on top of that, with, with what's happened uh, most recently, uh, you know, the expression is, dude, we could get parlored. So parlor, they're kind of a, 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 it's a politically charged topic, but they got, they just got dropped from their cloud hosting service at Amazon with very little notice. They lost all of their stuff. Mm-hmm. We are, we, I, I, I and I, I, Chevron, um, we're an oil and gas company. Uh, and we are only maybe a half dozen angry climate activist tweets away from Microsoft dropping us and doing the same thing. And, and, and management is like, well, Microsoft has assured us that won't happen. I'm like, of course they did. If they said anything other than that to you, <laughs> everybody would leave the cloud or at least kind of pause and reevaluate should we really put all of our eggs in one basket. Um, so it's managing, kind of explaining to them. And then at some point I, I get, as long as I get my point across and I have it documented in an email so I can say, I told you so 10 years later, right. um, then I, 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 I'm like, okay, I, I made my point and, and you know, you can of course do it tactfully and civilly. Um, and then I sit back and say, well, I'm at the end of the day, I'm like, I will do what, what you guys want me to do, however you want me to do it because you signed my paycheck, but I just wanted to express my concerns. So I have the right mindset. Reflect. Yeah, I just you know just want to throw that out there. Um, so that those those kind of things are are but every are things that I'm sure they are seeing things that I'm not seeing either. And 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 so I I'm, I have trust in them. And usually usually management at our at our at our company is 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 uh, is, is on point. Um, my one of my biggest fears is uh, there's a, there's another old saying that you always get promoted one level above where you should be. Right. <laughs> so. Because, and then I'm going, wait, I haven't gotten promoted in a while. Should I, should I not be here? Um, but, but Chevron does a good people of picking the right people for, for the right job. Um, uh, techno- okay, so, so classes and technology wise, I would say um, uh, the, the big things, especially in, in our environment, uh, is SharePoint. 90, 90% of even non-technical people at Chevron, um, 90% of your, our, your job is in, Microsoft Outlook, Microsoft Teams, Microsoft SharePoint, <laughs> and uh, and 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 if you can use and navigate those things well and know how to use those features 
um, effectively, it will make it will make your 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 job and the technical aspects of your of your career um, so much better. If you especially um, the the amount of data that every company has grows exponentially. When I first started, we were growing. We our data footprint was growing by just I say something inconsequential, five or ten terabytes a day. But now we're doing that. We're doing that in hours with all the data we're gathering and collecting. It's it's really scary. Um, and uh, and also document uh, meta even little things like like metadata of 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 a document setting setting the the metadata is is data about data. Uh, and there are feet, there are those attributes for every document um, that if you can just use those effectively, make things it makes things so much easier to find and organize in the future. Down to when it was created, who wrote it, what I don't know, what case it was for, what project it was for, whatever. Um, and then there within within those tools, uh, SharePoint and Teams, there's also there's versioning. Um, so and and to prevent to prevent version forking is is a big concern that some people at Chevron still haven't managed. Um, you'll version forking is you'll you'll instead of and, and it also kind of ties into um, being a good manager of, of, of space. So I really hate it. It's kind of I don't hate it. It's kind of antiquated. So when somebody sends a two megabyte email attachment to to 20 people, you just created 40 megabytes of you just used up 40 megabytes of space across your network. When all you had to do was put put that one file on on our on our Microsoft OneDrive and send that link to 20 people, and then and then everybody can view that one file and we didn't we didn't waste any space. Also, when you send that one file to 20 people and 20 people might download it and edit it or make changes and send it back to you, then you have. 40 something versions of that of that file now that you're, you're going to lose track of and that's version forking. Um, and so what's better is if everybody can can modify that one document in real time and you, it's really awesome I'll be in a spreadsheet and you'll see you'll see a little box around another cell a few over that's some, somebody else working on the same spreadsheet in real time in the cloud. Um, and so it's very so but we're not we're not working on our own copies we're working on the same one so that prevents that prevents a lot of confusion and, and data mix up down the road. And version versioning in general is a very is a very is a great one too. So you can actually, if you update a instead of if you look in before we had versioning, you'd look in a project folder and you would see version one, version two, you'd see all these older visions. Mm -hmm. But now there's one file and you can go, I want to see what this file looked like a week ago. And you right click on it and go to version history and, and restore back. And, and go get that version. And and when you when you create a new version, you would always also add like version notes. Hey, I added this section. I corrected some of these mistakes. Um, so those are using technology effectively like that is 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 huge. Um, just to be a good steward of of space and those tools, um, and being um, and what what's also very huge in in I'm I'm sure a lot in the law field as it is in in, in in pipeline with with uh, information protection and privacy, top secret data restricted stuff. Making sure that um, that you're effectively using access controls, user based access controls, role based access controls, a minimum, and giving people as as far as the security goes. And this, I could talk for hours on on security. Um, yeah. but our, and that's, weakest, and that's one of the things you mentioned version control. Yeah. That's a huge issue with contracts generally. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and and with metadata, that's something where you you, you risk uh, running afoul of professionalism standards if you forget to remove certain data, and so then opposing counsel gets your initial settlement offer in the metadata. I've seen. I've actually. Yeah. I've seen people send redacted, redacted PDFs to people, but they forgot to sanitize them. So what they thought was redacted, someone could open the PDF and undo the redactions and right. see everything that was redacted. <laughs> blew my mind um and and uh what we're also there's also a big focus at chevron of, uh, on data retention so we uh just it you it, keeping things longer than you need to is a, is a risk now not only does it waste space it's a risk and so we adding having those having those measures in place to to identify when this document was created 
how long it needs to be retained for legal purposes or research. And then when that retention date hits, it gets nuked. Yes. <laughs> um, delete, delete your stuff, people. I mean, we've, we've, uh, that, that's huge. Um, we, we, because we, we become pack rats and, and we have stuff. I found data tapes, data tapes from the seventies with log, with well data, um, that I'm like, why do we have these? These need to be destroyed. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Um, but so, but classes to take anything on, um, uh, I'm sure everybody's, uh, you know, simple things, learn how to use those revision tools in, in, in your office programs. Um, if, if, if there's a class on, on, on how to use SharePoint or any content management system thereof, that's, that's huge. Uh, we've, and fortunately there's a lot of collaboration software out there, you know, uh, teams, Slack, uh, gosh, the, the, the there's a ton of fortunately once you've learned one you can kind of figure your way out figure way out, figure your way out around the others um when when we had already at chevron we've been we've been using teams already um because we're a global company i mean we're where if i need to that's this we, we've just been on it and now we're in it a lot more since we're all working from home and it was what was really funny was for the maybe the first two weeks everybody was using their their video cameras every day <laughs> and then that that fad quickly died out. I don't want to be on camera today. Nobody, <laughs> nobody uses their camera anymore. Depending on, unless you're in a one-on-one -on -one with your boss or, or you're in, with leadership, it's, it's it's just more like a phone call. Um, but that's that's important. Um, I mean, just be, but be able to be. It's simple things like that. Even when I was being effective, I don't know how I'm doing today, but an effective video conference participant is you know make sure you're you're in frame and you're not like this make sure <laughs> make at, at the very early days when we were really concerned about bandwidth we would tell people um don't wear like a checked shirt because it the compression has to work harder to to uh to to send the video it, it could affect quality i did um, not know that and it yeah it, well that was it's not so much an issue now because compression and bandwidth has come a long way over the past decade but that was that was an issue back then or if you but that could still help if you're at home and you don't have a good upstream. Usually, when when you're when you're buying an internet, when you're procuring an internet service for your house, they, the marketing number is the download stream, you know, 500 megabits or gigabit connection. But what what's a, what's important for for video calling is your upstream, and they never often market that at all. And if your upstream isn't very fast, then the video you're sending out might might have might have some or the audio you're sending out might have uh, compression issues um so uh that those the little things like that um right. <laughs> devil's in the detail we'll add we'll, we'll add more to our, our old adages oh man it look uh, a, a lot of people love love staring at themselves uh but when you're staring at yourself then everybody's like who's what is he looking at and um, fortunately, the, the technology has come a long way. And so I would have to train myself and train our users to stare at the camera um, or at least look at the camera when you're talking. And then, uh, you know, because what's important, what's important for video conference, the reason we have video conferences so we can get that that face to face. That's it's the next best thing to meeting in person. Um, but if you if you and it's the same, it's the same mannerisms and body language that you would want to exhibit in person. You want to exhibit on on camera to 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 kind of maintain build that rapport with the other person. So eye contact either with the lens or or with the screen, so they know you're looking at them. Um, and uh, if you're looking if you're looking down on a video call, everybody knows you're looking at your phone, so you're not fooling anybody. In 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 when I was in grad school, they called it uh, the BlackBerry prayer because everybody had Blackberries, right? And everybody looked like they were praying, but they were. You're really just typing a blackberry. I'm usually just napping, but yeah, but yeah. If you think I'm paying attention, at least generally by being <laughs> on my phone, that's fantastic as well. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. I'm and I'm a I'm an IT guy, um, but I was I was the funny story is I was the last Chevron employee to have a BlackBerry. <laughs> they they kept the BlackBerry servers on for me until the very end, uh, and our our CIO was like, "Who is this one employee who's still running a BlackBerry? What the?" Who is this old guy? We got to get him modern with the times. And my boss was like, actually, sir, he's one of mine and he's only in his 30s. Um, but we, we've got a plan to migrate him to an iPhone. So my my work phone is an iPhone. Um, and that's one thing I would also, gosh, that's another technical thing I would recommend. 
and I, I, I hate that it, that it comes to this, but I would, I tell people, especially at Chevron, at least what's, it's really sad, but you go into, when we were working in the building, you would go into a meeting and everybody would put two or three cell phones on the table mm-hmm. and everybody carries. It's sad that everybody has to have like a separate work and personal advice. You don't have to, but, but I, I but it's a oh gosh, I recommend it. So Chevron is understandably, they're very, they're very protective of their data. And so you can use your, you can use your personal phone for work, but that means Chevron is a big brother on your device and right. they restrict a lot of things. They can remote wipe your device. They can see what you're typing and downloading and everything. And I was like, you know, I want to be able to not have them do that uh, and not have to worry about it. Um, and what's also great is, is to have a separate device is if you're not on call or if you're not working like I am right now, my, my work phone is, is in the office and I'm, I can ignore it. Um, and so I can, I can disconnect. It's, it's a great thing to be able to disconnect. If you have work, um, work and, and your personal life all in one device, you're never, it's a digital leash. And I know I, I've seen it with, with my wife who was, uh, who worked uh, in-house. Uh, she went from uh, uh, Baker Hostetler to, uh, and she went in-house doing uh, uh, contracts for a real estate company. Um, but she, her one thing she, but she kept, that she finally ended up where she is working in career service at South Texas College of Law is because she really wanted, she wanted a work-life balance and the pay cut was worth it for her to, to, um, to have that, just that cutoff. Okay. I can work nine to nine to six or whatever. And, and then I am, I am done. I can go enjoy life and be, um, and, and relax and unwind. And that's very important. So that's, so one thing I would say is, is I, and I, I, all my, all my attorney friends and doctors, they work, very hard and i and i admire them all for it it is it is it, if you love what you do you're never working a day in your life right but but try to find uh, some way to to manage not just use technology but manage your addiction to it and maybe help use it to help you disconnect and kind of set boundaries so you can actually it's important to have that work-life balance so just find it somehow I, I think that's a, a and, and I think we'll we'll start winding down because we're we're getting to our hour. But I think that's an excellent way to sort of culminate the call is that discussion about practices and tools about work-life balance. I struggle with that, and I, I agree. If you love what you do, uh, you never work a day. I I enjoy coming to the office and serving our students. I enjoy it, um, but it's tough on relationships, and and it's definitely. I, I can't say that I necessarily enjoy people. I'm, I'm not an ESD, uh, Jay, so um, I, I, can't, I can't tell that lie, but I do enjoy the service aspect. And so I've got a gate on my property in, in West Columbia and one of the young ladies I was seeing, realizing that people knock on my door at 10 p.m. on a Saturday, um, or, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to watch a movie here with, with someone, but okay, uh, she suggested I put flags on the gate and basically a red or green flag to say when I was available for people to knock on and sit on the porch and, and, and ha- pick my ear about the, uh, the, the speed limit or something like that, and when I wasn't. Right? And, and you mentioned the different Great. telephones, right? So if there's a separate work phone, um, then, then, you know, as like Batman, you can say, hey, Commissioner Gordon, turn the signal off tonight. I'm not responding to calls. Kim Basinger is at the house and we're gonna have dinner. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe there's been somebody new since then, right? Maybe maybe it should be uh, uh, sort of Annie Hathaway or something like that. But uh, within that that balance aspect, again, you built a family now, you you built a career, you've got these degrees. What are some sort of closing thoughts of perspective, advice? I wish I had done this differently. Everyone should try this once. Not bungee jumping, I hope. Uh, no. I don't think I'm going to try that. My, my, my life insurance won't pay out if I bungee jump or skydive. So I, I've, I've avoided those. Um, I wish, uh, kind of going back to the, I wish I had joined the rodeo and volunteered sooner than I did. Um, my wife hates it when I say this, but it's, it is a, it's a great dating pool. Um, but uh, the people, obviously, obviously, like I was saying, how, how great the kids are that we work with obviously the people who want to pay to volunteer and spend all their time and, and, and treasure on, on this cause 
are great people. Um, and there is a great, there is a great networking aspect of it too. I've met great friends and, and a lot of our meetings when we meet in person are open bar and that's great. Um, but it oh, was, I wish... they're going to show up at my meeting and the line's already too long. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Join, join, join the tricks committee. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it was, I wish I had done it. I wish I'd done that sooner. Um, and just to get, to get more involved uh, in the rodeo and, 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 and give back to the community. Um, gosh, what else would I have done? I'm, I'm glad I, uh, uh, you know, I would say rates are low right now. So I would, you know, man, if you, if you can, don't, don't be house poor, but if you have 10 or 20% to put down on a house, uh, maybe buy one. If you're going to stay put for, if you're going to, if you know, you're going to be in Houston for a few years, it's a good time to, it's good. The rate rates are incredibly low. It's always funny when my, my dad, here's what rate I got. And he goes, man, my, my rate was 19% back in the seventies or eighties. <laughs> Holy cow. That blew my mind. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you, if you want to be mobile and don't want to be tied down and want, and want to take advantage of those opportunities that might move you places, um, uh, rent, there's, that, that's a great way to, you know, and, and, and I always hated it when, uh, apartment complexes would show me, oh, this is our, look at this nice apartments, all this wood trim and granite countertops and stainless appliances. And I'm like, all you're doing is telling me reasons that rent's going to be expensive. Right. Like, I, just, <laughs> I don't, I don't have any vested ownership in this granite countertop. So it, you're just, you know, um, all Chappelle gosh. property leaves with me when I end the lease. Okay. I'll yeah, exactly. Um, we, what, what, what I've also kind of found enjoyable is not necessarily like Marie Kondo kind of reduce clutter in your life. Um, we, we live in a, in a tiny house in the loop in Houston, um, you know, 1600 square feet. And, uh, now we have a, a son, um, and that's about all we can fit. Like when I, um, so we have to be very cognizant of, of how much stuff we acquire. And I would say, you know, there are all these cool appliances out there and choppers and blah, 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 blah. But if, if I can do it with a knife, I don't need the appliance. I'm going to use this knife. I'm not going to waste kitchen space or storage on a new appliance. Um, and if I get a new shirt, I have to donate two old ones. I mean, that's how full our closet is. When, when we get, when we get our son a new toy and we're like, okay, which ones can we donate? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, but the, and the reason I kind of tie all this together is try to avoid, um, all of that materialism and if you can i mean it is nice i love having a nice watch and, and a and a and a um or or and a and a nice car that's fine and, and take care of it but just keep try to you know you don't need a lot of try to realize what you what what you don't need and and when we we really kind of had a realization of this when we we renovated our house and we had to live in one before we had a child, thank goodness, we had to live in one tiny room in our house. We had two clothing racks in there, two desks and a bed. And we lived like that for six months. And then we realized how much stuff that we had in storage that we didn't need. We're like, why are we hanging on to this? It's just collecting space. And that's, we're, we're like, man, we don't want to move to a, to a 4,000 square foot house in the burbs because then we'd have to buy more stuff and we just don't, we just don't need it. So avoid that. Um, if, if you can, just, just, just always think about it. And man, I had one more Oh, something came to me. Oh, it'll, it'll come back. <laughs> I, I think that's valuable. I, I, and, and so I, I think Murray Kondo's idea is what brings you joy? Does it spark yeah. joy? And, and one of the things that we do in the professional world is does this add value? And records mm -hmm. retention is something that you alluded to that I, I had to fight people about. And, and in my personal life, right? In my personal life, uh, if I want something, I just make more money. I've never had a use for math. So I really, I've only started budgeting in, in my mid 30s, right? And it just doesn't matter. People say, what about money? I, I'll just make more. Uh, that's mm -hmm. one of the perks of being a lawyer, right? So uh, there, there was never that need. And so in my personal life, I never budgeted. But I, on city council, I, I'm very uh, conscious as a steward of public funds. And similarly, in, if you, know, you look around my office, you'll see papers from 1997. I'm going to write something about this one day. But in government work, I had an obligation, a duty to my employers to let them know that yes, today's record email is tomorrow's evidence. And the longer we keep these, the greater liability, not just the fire hazard, but also the greater the likelihood that somebody will subpoena a document that we have retained outside of the record retention. Exactly. Exactly. Why, why are we doing this? Right. And, and so 
get rid of stuff. Why do you have that clutter? Why are you using, why are you messing with your bandwidth, right? Why are you wearing a checkered shirt? Don't do it. You're messing with your bandwidth. <laughs> but I think all those tie together. Uh, oh man, yeah, get, uh, I don't know, so much, so many things I'd love to, love to tell people behind me. Um, get, get a life insurance policy, um, even if it's a small one, even if you're single. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're the cheapest when you're young and healthy. Right. Uh, <laughs> I got mine a couple months before I learned I was going to Africa and my agent who was also a friend was like, oh man, did you time that? Because <laughs> you wouldn't have been insurable after that. <laughs> Um, and I still have it. It's a, it's a great policy just to know that, um, just to know that, you know, my now family will be, will be okay if, if something happens to me. And we had a, we had a fraternity brother uh, from our chapter in uh, uh, Texas State who actually who was a graduate and he, he had a tragic death uh, and he died and he wasn't insured and his, and his wife and, and he was a, he was, he was the main income for their family. So just it's it's cheap, so definitely do that. Um, gosh, yeah, that, that that was another one that just came to mind. <laughs> uh, have a good gosh, have good backup plans too. Um, uh, like a, use the cloud for most people, the, uh, the Apple Cloud or 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 uh, or Google Drive or uh, uh, iDrive or Carbonite or, or uh, Backblaze is a great service. Backup your data. All hard drives fail. Um, and I don't want people to learn the hard way as, as a lot of people do. Um, so just, just know that and have a backup plan for your, for your data. I hate, I hate for people to lose all of their baby pictures or, or documents or whatever, just because, just because their computer died or was stolen. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, that's an important one. Even if it's a backup drive at home uh, or, or, or whatever, have, have a backup plan. Always have your data in at least two places. Uh, and most for in, a, in a corporate environment, as long as you're using the tools correctly, that's probably already taken care of for you. So it's more in a personal space or at home, uh, have have that set up. It's very important. I like that. That backup plan. Well, we'll wrap it mm -hmm. up. And, and again, hopefully I'll have you again. Maybe, maybe we will talk to your wife. Who knows? But I do thank you, Will, for your time this morning. I know that it was impromptu. Uh, many people, when, when I mentioned the idea of interviewing, they're a little hesitant just because I don't really prepare you at all. And so I, I thank you for being adventurous and inspiring and also sharing your wealth of information for uh, all those folks that were, were gearing this towards helping. My, my pleasure, Dietrich. It was, a, it was great to talk to you and I hope it was worth everybody's time to watch. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs>